This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Excludes sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroByTMobile.com. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and by Michael Elwood of Remax First Service, serving the Chicagoland area. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, my friends, to this, the final Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast of the regular season. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, to mark this interesting occasion where we kind of recap our fourth season of podcasting and talking Blackhawks with all of you is... Jay Zawoski of 6 in the score. Jay, I cannot believe we're sitting here today. The Blackhawks just played another 82-game season and are missing the playoffs for the second straight year. It's kind of, we kind of knew this was inevitable, but it still kind of feels like, I don't know, man. It's sad. It's empty. It's an empty feeling. And, you know, this time, the Hawks were making the playoffs so regularly, and we were all getting so used to it, that this time of year, where the weather starts to turn, it's still like a little bit cold, but getting warmer. There's days where you can wear shorts like yesterday, and it starts to feel like playoff hockey. You can sort of smell it in the air. The, the feel is there, and man, it's just another spring of, I mean, yeah, the NHL playoffs are going to go on, but does anyone really care as much when the Hawks aren't in it? I know I don't. I'm going to watch it because I love hockey, but man, it is tough, and and like we've said all along, like this has been kind of an enjoyable season at least for me, to watch this team grow and watch this team get better. Um, and it's just kind of a, ugh, it just, oh, it's over? That's it? Like last night, it, it didn't really dawn on me that it was the last game of the year until I was like, wait, this is the last game of the year. <laughs> this is the last time I'm going to be able to watch this Blackhawks team play. And it's, I don't know, it's, it is, you, you said it's it's kind of sad. And and I the word I keep going to is empty, and that's that's how I feel about it. It's just kind of a bummer. It sucks. I'm not ready for this to be over. Yeah, I'm absolutely not ready for the season to be over either. I guess like the way we can look at it is that we like hockey enough that we can kind of watch the playoffs and we can kind of, you know, get invested in other teams. There are teams that are kind of worth uh, jumping on the bandwagon for that are kind of fun stories Flames. or whatever Flames. criteria you usually use for your, you know, bandwagoning. Flames. I guess. Calgary Flames. Yep, your, your Calgary Flames, my Carolina Hurricanes. Um, I just the way I the way I look at it, I guess, is it, it just it sucks that you're the team that you are rooting for isn't in it because there is not there's not another feeling that's quite like that, especially like if a game goes to overtime and you know a game seven over like good god. We've experienced that several times with the Blackhawks, the gut punches and the ups and downs of that overtime hockey. You can't replicate that even if you're bandwagoning for a team. And so while I'm looking forward to seeing whether the bunch of jerks in Carolina or Johnny Gaudreau in the Calgary Flames, whether they can kind of make their way through the gauntlet. Yeah, man, like there just there isn't any replacing having your favorite team in the postseason and having a legitimate shot at a Stanley Cup title. And from 
from what we've seen this year, and this, I guess we can kind of use this to transition a bit into a kind of big picture discussion about the team, is just how close are the Blackhawks to getting back to that point where we can experience that feeling again? Well, I'm glad like, you brought that up because yeah. last night on the broadcast, before the game started, when they were doing the lead in before the puck drop, um, they mentioned the Blackhawks record since January 20th. Do you know what that record is since January 20th off the top of your head or something close to it? Um, I'm going to guess like somewhere around the 500 mark. And I put 500 in quotation marks because John Wideman said the other day that they'd guaranteed themselves a 500 record. And the last time I checked 35 wins and 47 losses, wasn't a correct, a 500 record. Their record since January 20th, including last night's loss is 20, 10 and three. That wow. is a 106 point pace since January 20th. Now for perspective, Tampa Bay, who is being called one of the best teams in history, one of the best regular team season teams in history anyway, finished the season with 128 points. That's absurd. That's crazy. That's insane. Next up were the Calgary Flames and Boston Bruins with 107 points each. So those are the two, aside from Tampa Bay's historic, historic season, Carolina or Calgary and Boston have the second most points in the league with 107. The Hawks have been playing at 106-point pace since January 20th and you could say what you want about sample size and it's true it's legit that you know it's it's a shorter time that these teams are able to do it over the whole season and that's why they're at the top of the league and the Hawks are not but you can't ignore the tons of positives that came out of this year and while there were several negatives and we've spent a lot of time talking about those uh, I think in my mind the positives outweigh the negatives vastly and uh, and I, I'm very encouraged I think that's why the last like week or two has kind of sucked more than I expected it to because sure you tell me in October like yeah they're not going to make the playoffs it's like all right that makes sense but you've seen the way this team has played lately and they started to build up the hope and and I was one of the last people and I think you were sort of along there with me to be with everyone sort of jumping back on the bandwagon I was like oh let's pump the brakes they're not going to sustain this it's not going to be able they, they have they've been again 20 10 and 3 since January 20th that's really good They've been playing great hockey lately. Um, not complete, you know, all ends of the ice hockey, but they've hunkered down defensively recently. Uh, the offense has been there all year. So, yeah, to me, it's like, ugh, they really could have, you know, two or three more games where they, you know, don't blow the lead or they are able to get that power play girl early in the season when they couldn't get, get them. Uh, it just it feels like a big missed opportunity, and I think that's why it sucks probably more than it would have had they just fallen short and, and been an average team? Well, I mean, and we had talked a lot during the season about uh, almost kind of wanting the team to pick one path or the other, either make the playoffs or end up like just way out of it so that you get a decent draft pick. Yeah. And now here we are. They finished, what is it, six points out of the second wild card spot in the Western Conference. Yep. And they have a 2.5% chance of winning the NHL draft lottery. So yeah, it's the Black, worst scenario. Blackhawks are going to be around like the tenth or eleventh pick, most likely, and you're not going to get a guy who's going to instantly impact your team at that spot. So that part of it kind of sucks. But I, I like where your head's at, like focusing on the positives of the team. And I, obviously, we can point to the development of some players as positives. We can definitely say that acquiring Dylan Strom the continued development of Alex DeBrincat, the fact that Patrick Kane is still producing at an NHL, a high level at the NHL. Did you see the stat uh, somebody posted yesterday? I think Patrick Kane had the fifth most points in a season by a Blackhawk, and the other four point seasons belonged to Dennis Savard. I, I did not I see love that. Wow. I love I loved that stat. Um, and remember, Dennis Savard was playing when goalies wore uh, popsicle sticks as leg pads. <laughs> And did, they didn't understand the concept of butterfly and making sure that they actually covered the bottom of the net. <laughs> yes, the way to the way to make a save in the '80s was to just jump like a like a uh, like a like a jazz dance, like a wee, like click, <laughs> click your heels and kick your legs out and arms and hope it hits you. Yeah, and then so you you obviously have those positives, and then you have. Uh, the Corey Crawford thing where he came back and he looked uh, he looked really good he after the great. second concussion. By the way, kudos to the Blackhawks for not playing him the last three games of the season. Would have been a complete waste of time. Didn't want to risk injury. 
I really liked that. I'm sure Corey hated it. He's a competitor. I'm sure he wanted to be out on the ice. But when you have a guy who ended up being a fairly capable backup in Cam Ward, there was no re- reason to risk it. Well, and yeah, and I was the, glad the Blackhawks did that. The the tweak of the leg the other day where he left the game it, that that made it up. You know, uh, it was the right thing to do. He was. I, I don't know if he could have played last night if he wanted to anyway because of the tweak, but um. It was a little scary. We th- I thought we were going to get another Scott Foster situation the other night. Um, <laughs> fortunately, that didn't happen. Well, he was in the house the other night, wasn't he? Uh, he started the last game and then had to leave. And then Cam Ward. I meant played. Scott Foster. I didn't mean Corey Oh, I, I, I have muted Scott Foster from, like, I had the men in black come over. And anytime he's mentioned or shown on TV, they just zap me again. <laughs> just so I can make it through life. I don't I don't know I think, if he was I think in the he was at the UC on whatever night they played the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, yeah. Well, screw that guy. No, it's not his fault. I'm sorry. I'm not mad at Scott Foster. I'm I'm mad at the concept of Scott Foster still being a thing a year later. Again, reflective of a team that's missed the playoffs two years in a row. If you'd like to order yourself a Scott Foster jersey, head over oh, to our friends God. at Triple Threat Sports. Oh, you're shameless. This is horrible. <laughs> Don't make what you... Hey, if you're the guy... I was at a game and a guy actually had a Scott Foster jersey, and I did not assault him. I was very proud of myself. Um, but unless it's his dad, then there's a reason for it, I suppose. But Triple Threat Sports, they're the place to go if you need your NHL jerseys, MLB, whatever. But they're also the place to get your team outfitted. We've got our 12-inch softball season starting soon. Uh, Homewood Baseball and Softball is kicking off. Leagues all over the city and state are kicking off their season. So if you're on a board and you're looking for some uniforms, hit up Triple Threat Sports, 708-478-6090, or email chris at triplethreatsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. But, yeah, Corey Crawford, um, just such a, I don't know, the Masters and Trophy seems sort of destined for him this year, doesn't it? Like, that is a dude that has overcome so much and came back and kept them in games they had no business being in towards the end of the year and made it an actual reality that this could be a playoff team. And, yes, they fell short, but it was sure as hell was not because of Corey Crawford. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's obviously that's true. All right. Good. <laughs> hey, that's all I can add to that. I mean, Dynamite drop-in, James. Wow. <laughs> that's what the people pay for. If you'd like to donate to our Patreon for com- for content like that, Hey, man, sometimes you just hit it. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. All right, so those are your thoughts on Corey Crawford. You know, Does he deserve the Masterton Trophy in your mind? Um, I Having perused the nominees, I think that um, it's probably a pretty good bet that he's going to win it. Um, I Here's the way I look at it. If there isn't a, another obvious guy that's going to win, there isn't like a situation where... Uh, you have, I'm trying to think of some of the guys that have won it. Phil Kessel won it, didn't he? Yeah. When he, yeah, I think Phil Kessel won it. Uh, Craig Anderson a few years ago, uh, when his wife was diagnosed with cancer, that was a pretty obvious one. Uh, Devin Dubnik, uh, came back just out of nowhere. I thought that was an interesting one. Josh Harding having MS. I mean, that's obviously that those kinds of guys are going to win. And I don't think that there's really that obvious of a candidate this year so what was robin leonard uh robin leonard had a battle with anxiety right um oh, is that I'm what the situation was? I, I don't i don't I hate to sell it short but he's their nominee um yeah he had he was battling addiction and suicidal thoughts so he had a and bipolar issues here it is um so he's had some he's overcome a lot this year too so i think crawford or leonard are probably the two lead candidates and uh i don't know i, I yeah. wonder I, I always feel like Corey crawford is um somewhat underappreciated by the national media do you ever get that vibe like it's just he always sort of I've always, oh i've always gotten that vibe yeah always like i mean that's when he was like one of the top goaltenders in the nhl and he would like never be a nominee for the vesna like it was like they were just like oh the defense is so good blah, blah. and it's like no no, he's he's good. We promise. Well, he doesn't have. They don't have that excuse this year. No, they certainly do not. <laughs> That's yeah. I'm looking at some of the other nominees right now, and boy, howdy, let me tell you, Andrew Shaw, that candidacy for the Canadians. Woo! It's just a lot of guys who are being honored for being old. <laughs> Joe Thornton, <laughs> Joe Zidane Thornton, Chara, Char, yeah, Jay Bo Meester, uh, Suter, Ryan Suter's on there. Yep. Like, wow, it's, if you if you think yourself, wow, that guy still plays, they're probably nominated for the Masterton. 
<laughs> By the way, did you see the? Um, I was watching the Hawks and Sharks uh, compress game the other day because I was trying to see some things, and they choose usually the home broadcast for those compressed games. Um, the Old Spice actor is it Mustafa? Isaiah Mustafa is his name. Big hockey fan, so he was. Where the one, hell did you pull that name out? I just of? saw it. So he, he's the guy, the shirtless guy from the Old Spice commercials. He was the guy yes. doing the second intermission play-by-play with the Kings broadcast team. And he's a huge hockey fan. Anyway, so they're playing, and Duncan Keith uh, makes a play. He's like, wow, Duncan Keith is still playing? <laughs> I thought that's pretty funny. <laughs> that like, yeah, Duncan Keith is among those names of like, holy cow, that guy's been playing forever. And he certainly I, has. I, I freaking love the fact that he was like doing the broadcast. Like that's so random. I well, did you? I'm sure you saw the Ron Burgundy uh, thing they did a couple weeks ago. Where uh, are so, you talking about the San Diego Padres having the Anchorman? No, race? no. The LA Kings had Ron Burgundy come in character and call the game during the second period for the Kings. I forget who the opponent was. It was the Flyers, actually. Uh, so Ron Burgundy would just sit there, and they would just mostly talk, but then he would throw in a call every now and again. It was funny. I guess it's something the Kings do because, you know, no one in L.A. cares about hockey, really. So and it's also to... the fact that Kings were eliminated from the playoffs in December. Yes, they're really, really bad. Um, but they brought – so Will Farrell in the Ron Burgundy character, dressed up and everything – uh, did the entire second period play-by-play. It was actually pretty now, good. Now, this isn't Ryan Dempster doing uh, Harry Carey, right? Like, he actually, like, was entertaining? Well, if you're entertained by Ron Burgundy, yes. Like, if you okay. think that's still funny, then you would like it. If you're Ron burgundy out, then you probably wouldn't. But it was not an impersonation. It was, it, seriously, he was in full, you know, mustache. The hair was done, Ron Burgundy style. He d- was wearing a... Super, he had a jacket on with a scarf, but he he stayed in character the whole time, and that's really kind of impressive when you think about it. He's got a, it's one thing to like rehearse the character and have some lines ready to go, but to stay in character for a live sporting event that's difficult because you're at the, you're having to adapt to what's happening the whole time. So it was it was actually pretty impressive. I'm sure a lot of people are compelled by what we're talking about right I now. Know. You know what? The season's over. Oh, this is what we have to talk about, sadly. Thanks for the reminder, man. (laughs) All right. Why don't we take a break and regroup a little bit? Um, We'll come back and we will uh, we'll get a little more specific on what we thought went right, went wrong uh, this season. Uh, First, we got to tell you about our friends at Marishka's. You know, our friends at Marishka's 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. They're known for their poor boys, but everything there is fantastic. The twice baked potatoes, the steaks, the seafood, everything at Marishka's is fabulous. Bring your friends, bring your family, 604 Theater Street. You'll love it. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So visit them at marishkas.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash marishkas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. We'll be right back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired sports commentator Dick Vitale. Tonight's matchup is me versus an ugly fender bender. If I can eat out a win, it would be a miracle, baby. Um, Mr. Vitale, it wouldn't be a miracle because GEICO gives you a team of experts to help manage your claim. That's going to be a nail-biter. Nope. The GEICO team is there for you 24-7. Now that's a dipsy dude, Dunkaroo, of a claims team. GEICO is awesome, baby, with a capital A. GEICO. Great service without all the drama. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski and James Navo with you here today and we neglected to tell you about a fun new thing we're doing uh, as the playoffs begin we talked about adopting our playoff teams we have launched the madhouse podcast bracket challenge on nhl.com so what you need to do is go to nhl.com sign in or register it's free obviously nothing difficult just sign in or register go to the bracket challenge then you're going to search madhouse podcast join that private league and the password is Madhouse2019 with a capital M, and you can enter our bracket challenge. The winner will get something cool. We don't know what it is yet. We've yeah. yet to establish what it is, but I'm assuming it'll be some sort of food or some sort of Blackhawks memorabilia or something like that. Uh, maybe a, a podcast t-shirt. Who knows? Really, it's a rainbow of possibilities is what it is, but... Go to NHL.com's Bracket Challenge, sign in, then search for the Madhouse Podcast. Password is Madhouse2019 with a capital M. 
Join our bracket challenge. Should be a great time. Let's see who comes out on top. It'll be me. That's exactly right. All right. <laughs> um, speaking of coming out on top, we mentioned the Blackhawks' 106-point pace uh, since the end of January. I, I want to spend some time talking about Jeremy Colleton. Um, I think we've done a lot of sort of, uh, you know, around the edges sort of conversation about what he's brought to the team. I think we should focus in some time on him. Um, and and look, I've I've been very pleased. If I want to put a letter grade on it, I'd probably give it a B plus. Um, the start of the tenure was very rough, very difficult um, for not just him, but for the whole team. But since they pulled out of that sort of early tailspin, I've been really impressed with the way things have gone. And I think the one thing that early on what I liked about him was he was letting young guys learn on the fly, right? So if the game was late and they were up a goal, he would put Carl Dahlstrom and Connor Murphy and other guys on the ice in those situations. As they started to compete a little more and pick up some points and get closer to a playoff spot, he started leaning on the veterans a little bit more. So that went away a little bit, which I guess is semi-understandable. But the thing that, that I have liked about him the most has been his ability to identify what players do well and what they don't do well. And he's used them in the right way. He has found a way to maximize the value of most of the guys on the roster. Some guys' value just can't be maximized. I think you could say that about John Hayden, who I still don't know what he does or if he's ever going to figure out what he does. Chris Kunitz is 100 million years old, and you couldn't find anything to do with him. Um, but for the most part, I think he's gotten the best out of most of the guys on the roster. And his willingness to say, okay, this is what I have. Instead of trying to shoehorn a guy or force a guy by benching or by minute cutting or whatever to play a certain way, I'm going to take the way this guy plays and make it work. I think that was the single thing Cowlton did the most this year that I really enjoyed. And it was a refreshing change from the last guy. <laughs> the last guy. He'll yeah, come we'll, up. T- we'll, we'll talk about him later. Um, here's, here's my thing on Colleton is that he very clearly knows what he's doing on the offensive side of things. And that applies to both at even strength and on the power play. I think that his strategy, while I, I still think that he's probably going to have to show that he can change it up a little bit on the power play in terms of zone entries and in terms of structure based on what the other team is trying to take away. I think for the most part, he's been very good about figuring out the best guys to have in which uh, positions on the ice. So I definitely have, have liked what I've seen from him in that area. I think that, like you said, his deployment of the young players and kind of maximizing what they can kind of bring to the table, I definitely think has been apparent all season long. I think you've seen that with Alex DeBrincat. You've seen that with Carl Dahlstrom. You've seen that with uh, Dylan Strom. I think that I don't think Dylan Strom has the season that he does with Joel Quenville. And I think the like, same I, can be said for uh, Eric Gustafson as well. Absolutely. And you can argue whether or not like Eric Gustafson is a long-term answer on the blue line, and we can obviously have that discussion. But what you can't really argue is that Jeremy Colleton did maximize what Eric Gustafson was able to do back there. And the fact that he was able to rack up points was a direct reflection of Jeremy Colleton saying, look, I know you're not the world's best defender, but I want you to go out there and I want you to do this. And so those are all things that I think that Jeremy Colleton did really well when he was brought over or brought in to coach this team. And I like the fact that he installed this system, didn't allow the fact that these guys had been under a different system for a decade, uh, sway him from that. And there were obviously some severe growing pains that ended up coming along with that. Yeah. So kudos to Jeremy Collinson for uh, kind of staying the course with that and for, you know, implementing that system, even though it was really painful to do. The other thing that I will that we do have to say about Jeremy Colleton moving forward and into the future is that he had, when he gets the, I, I think we can agree. He doesn't really have the pieces in place right now to put forward an NHL caliber defense. And obviously we've seen that at even strength and we've seen that on the penalty kill where they were historically bad. So yeah, he hasn't had the pieces to do either of those things, but I still need to be shown that when they do have another horse or two back on that blue line and they have the ability to potentially calm the pace down a little bit when they need to and actually get a defensive stop when they need to, obviously we still need to be shown that with Jeremy Colleton. I have not seen 
much in the way of defensive structure that I think really can be carried forward into the next couple of seasons. So that's going to be interesting for me to see what he's able to kind of put together because ultimately at the end of the day, yeah, you can kind of delegate like the penalty kill. Like that's something that Joel Quenville obviously did while he was here. It was always the assistant coach would handle, you know, most of the penalty kill structure and strategy and all that. But I still think that a head coach needs to have at least input into the system that is used on the defensive side of the puck. And I, I, I know it was really hard to evaluate it based on who they had this season, but I didn't see enough from Jeremy Colleton in that area. And I'm really curious to see what the team does in the offseason to address that blue line issue and then what Jeremy Colleton is able to do with the players that they bring in. That's a really good point. And I think if that is a, it is a criticism for sure. I just, like you said, I wonder what percentage of the failures defensively are personnel and what percentage of the failures are system. And I think it's much more personnel than system. Um, but he's yet to prove that he can show that he can teach a defensive system. I think it has been better lately, but of course, having Corey Crawford playing at the level he's played can make things look a lot better in a box score, right? Or uh, on a score sheet, things like that. Um, I am the the problem is, and it's maybe it's not so much about Cowan as it is about Bowman. Is all the help you have coming defensively, aside from Henry Yokoharu? is offensive-minded. I mean, Boquist and Bodan, but Bodan's still, I still think, a couple years away. I think there's a shot Boquist makes it next year. Um, but all those guys are offensive-minded first, uh, almost to the point of like, well, you're just going to have to sort of deal with the defensive lapses from these guys because that's just the kind of the players they are. And you have already have Eric Gustafson. You already have uh, the declining Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith. Um, Connor Murphy, as long as he's on the roster, is going to have to play because he's kind of your best defender. Then where's Carl Dahlstrom go? Where does Ian Mitchell go? Um, you know, Dennis Gilbert just got a shot. Not a great one, um, but he was up here. They've got a lot of guys, and there's just this log jam is going to be a problem. And despite the numbers, I don't see a lot of defensive help coming from your defensive prospects. So do you trade some of them? Do you try to sign a guy? But then again, if you sign a guy, you've got another spot blocked. This defense is going to be an issue. And maybe you bring in some more defensive-minded forwards, you know, some more Brandon Saad kind of forwards if you can. Maybe not, you know, $6 million types, but guys that can play a two-way game. I just don't know. I I don't know how they're going to solve this logjam on defense uh, while improving the defense. Yeah, that's a really that's an interesting uh, question that Stan Bowman is going to have to address over the offseason, because like you said, it does seem like there is a logjam of a specific type of player. And part of me wonders if that's just by design. You know what I mean? Because we've had so many guys that have come through this system and haven't ended up panning out that I feel like they the way they wanted to solve that problem and to add the athleticism that Stan Bowman had talked all last offseason about and then the offseason before that all he had talked about was getting faster and they didn't have those guys in the system now you do and now you have a lot of them and I think the good thing for the Blackhawks is that part of that uh, log jam I think is going to address itself because they're all obviously they're all not going to pan out right that's just kind of the nature of blue line prospects specifically yeah but so I think that they They've attempted to give themselves a problem that ends up being a good problem at some point. You would rather have too many quality defensemen who can move the puck and maneuver around the ice with speed than not enough, especially in a system like Jeremy Colleton's. However, they haven't shown there has to be a mix. Like, I don't think you can go out there with six Eric Gustafsons and outscore your way <laughs> no. out of defensive lapses. I don't think that's possible. Well, you have to have yeah. guys like Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook who are capable of either being a stay-at-home blue liner or a guy who can do both. And that, to me, is where the other interesting uh, part of the roster construction ends up coming in because I I haven't identified, really, any guys that are going to be able to do specifically that. Well, here's the question, and I think I know the answer to it. I'm curious what you think. Is it easier to teach an offensive defenseman to defend 
or a defensive defenseman to score, right? And I think pretty obviously it's easier to teach an offensive guy to defend because if you've got the athleticism, you have the speed, um, you know, you've got the stick handling ability, basically all it takes to teach the defense is willingness and understanding, right? Like, okay, in this situation, this is where you need to be. This is how you need to defend it. And yeah, you know, Adam Boquist, you may not be as big as Brent Seabrook, but take the body or win the puck battle, right? I think that is much more teachable than saying, here you go, Brent Sobel, score me 20 goals. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's not, if I could, I would, I promise you. So I think it's easier. And, and I think you sort of were, were saying that without saying it, that by drafting these very, very skilled defensemen, the thought is that maybe you can get their defense to a level where, okay, the offense is great. And the defense is fine. And if you can get to that point where you've got six guys that are pretty good defensively and really good offensively, or maybe it's, you know, four and two or five and one, whatever that ratio works out to be, as long as Henry Ukaharyu becomes the defender you think he's going to be, then I think you can live with it. I think you can live with Murphy, Yokoharyu, and and hopefully somebody else steps up. If that's your top three, if Boquist is, turns out to be what they think he's going to be, you can live with that D. It's not ideal, but if you've got the offense coming from your forwards and your D and your defense is adequate, right? Like if you have a super skilled offensive team back in the Hawks dynasty days, could Nicholas Jalmerson have been the best defenseman, best defender on a Stanley Cup champion? I think the answer is yes. Yeah, I think that you're right about that. But the one thing I will caution you uh, with is that I think sometimes, especially with a defenseman, you don't want it to end up being that you have uh, six guys who end up being a jack of all trades and a master of none. You do have to have defined roles for at least some of your blue liners. Like, I get that it would be great to have guys who are pretty solid defensively and really good offensively. But I feel like the reality is that you do need to have a couple of specialists. I think that it's more likely that you can do that as opposed to having six guys capable of doing everything. Well, so I, I think, think that that that's more of yeah. like just a kind of identification of talent kind of thing where you just have to, if you feel like a guy has a specific strength and you're not sure that you're going to be able to get him to do the other thing that he can't do, I feel like sometimes you almost have to just accept that, you know, like I think that I, I worry about that. I don't want it to end up being a thing where they're trying to fit everybody into the same kind of box instead of trying to nurture the strengths that they do have. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I think you're right about that. But if you do have, you know, Murphy is a defensive specialist. Um, I think just sort of based on what we've seen, Yokoharu is like, defensive specialist with with some offense um and it looks like Boquist and Bodan will be strictly offense and you already have one of those with Gustafson what do you do with the other three spots and I think we know the answer for two of those spots and that's um Seabrook and Keith who probably won't be going anywhere because no one wants them (laughs) unless unless I was just gonna say there might be one team that wants one of them yes by the time this podcast posts Joel Quenville may be the new head coach of the Florida Panthers. Yes. They fired Bob Bugner today, and uh, James, you had it first. You told me first. Elliot Friedman reporting that uh, talks are well underway between Quenville and the Florida Panthers, and one has to wonder if Joel and and Dale take a look at number two or number seven and say, I need that guy back. Because yeah. don't forget, you might laugh about this, and you might be you might think we're aiming high, but I, I, I told you guys a couple of podcasts ago, I went to the game they played against L.A. a couple weeks ago, and for what Brent Seabrook lacks as far as athleticism anymore and the ability to catch up, he is the undeniable leader of that team on and off the ice. He is in, he's the quarterback of the team on the ice. He's telling everyone where to go during face-offs. He is the most vocal player on the ice. He is totally in control. And from and from all reports, in the locker room, he's the more vocal guy too. Jonathan Taves is the captain, but Brent Seabrook is the heart and soul type, 
right? The guy that really stirs the potting and gets guys going and knows kind of everyone's assignment at once. There is value to that. And if the Florida Panthers feel like that's what they need, a guy who can come in and set a veteran example, we know Dale Talon is more than willing to take on a bad contract. He's done it before. And now that Joel Quenville is there, that has to open the door for at least the possibility. Maybe Seabrook wants to go play with Q. Maybe Duncan Keith wants to go play with Q. I guarantee you those conversations, as soon as Quenville signs that on that dotted line, those conversations will be being had between Florida and Chicago. And hopefully at some point they'll be having those conversations together. <laughs> the, the one thing I will say about uh, the potential of Joel Quenville going to Florida is obviously he's very familiar with Dale Talon. Dale Talon's the one who brought him into the organization in Chicago. And obviously there's a ton of connection there. The one thing I will say is would it make more sense for Joel to go there where he kind of knows the system, he knows the guy, he knows all that, or would it make more sense for him to go to Buffalo who just fired Phil Housley? You've got Jack Eichel and all those guys at Rasmus Dahlin and a lot of really good, young, talented players who maybe need just kind of an experienced hand to guide them and mold them. Do you think that Buffalo maybe would be a better fit than Florida? If I'm Joel Quenville, I'm going for what I know. I'm going for Florida. You're just saying that because Florida has sunshine and babes and Buffalo has snow and crazy people diving through tables. <laughs> Bill's Mafia. By the way, uh, Pierre Lebrun, uh, the Florida Panthers have asked the Blackhawks permission to talk to Joel Quenville because they still control his uh, contract, obviously. And, of course, the Hawks are going to say yes. No, they of course, the Blackhawks should say no. No, we don't. We want to keep paying him. <laughs> so just spitefully <laughs> no yeah, it, this you is, can't have him this is moving along this Joel Quenville the Florida thing is moving along so as the days and weeks go on here there's gonna be a lot to talk about uh as far as I think those two legendary Blackhawks defensemen one of the two of them may be joining Q down in Florida who knows I mean it's not even done yet but it has to percolate your brain a little bit when you hear breaking that. news our Demi Panarin has signed with the Panthers well that, you know what I I think that might happen too. That wouldn't shock me either. Would it would it really? shock you if that happened? You, you think he would go to Florida? Why not? He doesn't care. Is there a Ooh. good Russian population in Florida? That's one <laughs> of his. That was one of his uh, stipulations. Or well, there's got to be a lot of. Uh, there's got to be a lot of R Russian people wherever I go. <laughs> Okay. I, I immediately thought of Florida, man, when we started talking about this, and I was trying to think of what kind of hijinks Artemi Panarin could get up to. Um, and then I thought about that story from Arkansas this week where the two drunk guys put on bulletproof vests and were shooting each other. Well, it's Florida. Florida, man. By All right, way. look. Like, here's my question with All that right. story, though. Those guys are facing six years in jail. For what? Like, for shooting guns at each other while they were drunk? They clearly both were willing to do it. Isn't there like, like I don't a, understand why that's a crime? Isn't there some sort of like clause in Florida where that's fine? In the I, fine print, like as long as it's permissible, you're allowed to shoot at your friends. <laughs> See, that I think should be a law anyway. Isn't the Florida state flag two drunk guys shooting at each other? <laughs> <laughs> or it's, other it's actually a guy <laughs> chasing another guy on a lawn tractor. Well, see, it's funny because I don't know. I might pass on this joke, but maybe not. I don't know. Listen to this joke if you want. Um, like Russia and Florida are kind of similar. Have you ever, do you follow the Instagram account? Look at this Russian. No. <laughs> yeah, you need to do that because it's just drunken Russian people doing crazy crap. And if you train, if you change the word Russian to Floridian and just remove the unibrow, it'd be the same thing. It's basically the same place. So maybe Artemi Panera would be very, very comfortable in Florida. By the way, uh, their projected cap space uh, via Cap Friendly right now is uh, $17.5 million of cap space. Now, of course... I think they can afford Artemi Panarin. They can. They can, but there's they also got to fill some roster spots. They're losing. Who's walking away from them this year? Oh, no, Jamie McGinn. Uh, oh, no. Riley Sheehan is an unrestricted free agent. Troy Brower, unrestricted. Uh, Dennis Malgan is restricted. Uh, the other ones are Ian McCoshin is uh, restricted. and McKenzie Okay, you're Weger. making that name up. Yeah, so no, so no one that's really going to... Well, you know... We'd like to bring in Artemi, but, um, you know, Mackenzie Wegar needs a new contract, so we're not going to be able to do that for you. Sorry, Ben. Hey, Riley Sheehan's an okay player. Yeah, he is. That's why I didn't use his name in the joke. Okay. Yeah. See how that works? So to kind of put a bow on this yeah. conversation, there are 
Florida is one of the vacancies, obviously. There's also Anaheim, Edmonton, Florida, L.A., Ottawa, Philadelphia, and maybe St. Louis, depending on what they decide to do. But I highly doubt they're cleaning house after the finish they had to the season. So out of the realistic chances, yeah, it does kind of sound like Florida is going to be the one that uh, Joel will probably end up going to. I still think you at least give Buffalo some thought. Uh, for sure. And Edmonton with Connor McDavid there is obviously worth considering too. Um, but th- this thing, just the language of the insiders on Twitter right now is like Dundeal tone to me. Like they're talking like it's, oh, it's a matter of time and maybe they're not saying it in so many words, but there's so much smoke. And when everyone has this much smoke, you know that something is very, very close. So I'd be surprised if we get to, what, Wednesday, Thursday, without Joel Quenville being named a coach of the Florida Panthers. Because, look, there's a reason Florida did this today. They fired Bugner today so they can start the week. Because every team is going to want to talk to Joel Quenville. So they're going to try to lock him up before anyone else has a chance to convince him otherwise. So, And who knows? This this could have been going on behind closed doors for months, right? Who knows if Dale Talon's not sending texts like, hey, End of the year, we're firing him, you're in. Enjoy your time off. You know, we get to it in June or whatever. Um, I don't know. I, it just it just has that feel to me like it's very, very close. Mm, yeah, I think you might be right, man. All right, let's take a break. We have still have to do the three stars of the week for the last time. Womp, womp. But we got to tell you, our friends at Rabbit Brewing, uh, it has been a huge week, and there's a whole bunch of stuff coming up. Friday, they bottled... Their Dwarves of Doom. Oh, what's Dwarves of Doom, you ask? Oh, let me tell you. It is their 10% Imperial Coffee Chocolate Stout. Absolutely unbelievable. Still bottles available. They got the wax top on them. They're amazing. It's made with Smuggler's Coffee as well. Indiana Company. Um, so go get the Dwarves of Doom at Rabbit Brewing. Uh, on April 20th, the band Lady Evil, which is a female-fronted Black Sabbath cover band, We'll be playing at Rabbit. And then most importantly, mark your calendars. May 17th is the Feast of the Goat Queen, a big indoor and outdoor festival at Rabbit Brewing. Live music, tons of beer, tons of fun things to do, family friendly. That is the day before Three Floyd's Dark Lord Day. So they're sort of doing this, hoping that people come out to Rabbit the day before Dark Lord Day, check them out for the first time, and then take the short 20-minute trip over to Three Floyd's. And look, even if you're not going to be able to make these events if you're out south and you're a beer fanatic, there are so many great places to go. Make Rabid one of your stops. The time has come for you to drink mythological-level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabid Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. We'll be right back with the three stars of the week and a couple final thoughts on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The three stars of the week are brought to you by our star real estate broker, Michael Elwood of Remax First Service, serving all your real estate needs in the Chicagoland area. 708-675-1600. Number three star of the week goes to Drake Kajula, who came back with a feverish... I don't know what my cliche is here. He came back very strong. Five points in his last four games, one goal, four assists, including a goal uh, in the finale against Nashville last night. I like that kid, man. I know part of it is that because he was acquired for Brandon Manning, but I just, <laughs> I just, I just like the guy's look with the missing teeth and the hair and the scars everywhere, and he just balls out. I really like that kid, uh, and I'm glad to see him having some success, and I'm very interested to see how he's going to do in it with a full year and Jeremy Cowlton's system, a whole summer of training with this team. I think that he could be a guy that poised for a breakout season next year, but Drake Kajula gets our number three star. He he does kind of like have that Hunter Pence vibe of you don't know if he actually lives in a dumpster <laughs> yes, or not. Yes, he does. <laughs> see, I was going to say Andrew Shaw, but Hunter Pence is perfect. That is a, <laughs> that is a perfect comparison. Yeah, like I, that to me is like I do. I love him, too. Like he's hilarious. Like I love watching him play. He's just like a... Like, he gets shot out of a cannon anytime he goes anywhere, and he's got the scars to prove it. Yeah, and that he, guy plays <laughs> balls to the wall all the time. I love it. And, yes, that is a perfect – it's a, gr- a very fitting uh, conclusion to the season that he was playing well, and we were able to, 
you know, honor our precious trash baby. Good for him. <laughs> Good for him. Uh, number two star of the week, uh, Ho-Hum, the guy very much out of gas, Patrick Kane. With five, Boy, he stinks. <laughs> five, five points in his last four games, uh, three goals, two assists. Just continues to be the guy all the time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Patrick Kane, he's been really, really good. I don't know much more there is to say about it. Yeah, I mean, he, he, I mean, he had, what, like a decent season, I guess? Like, you know, 115 points or something like that? Like, eh, you know, just ho-hum, whatever. Not really, like you said, not much more we can say about him other than he's pretty good. Number one star of the week goes to a guy who I feel has been part of the three stars more than anybody, probably aside from Kane, and that's Dylan Strom. Six points in his last four games, including three goals, uh, just continues the outstanding season he's had. Uh, man, you talk about quality trades. Dylan Strom has been absolutely fantastic since the day they acquired him, finishing the year with 17 goals and 34 assists in his 58 games with the Blackhawks. Now, before that, he played 48 NHL games and recorded a total of 16 points. So look at the jump he made coming to Chicago. Uh, really just incredible. He has been a huge part of why Alex DeBrinkit has been good. A huge part, well, not good, but while he, he's taken that next step, a big part of why the power play was effective this year. Uh, Dylan Strom has been tremendous, and I love the trade and will continue to kind of regardless of how well uh, Mr. 5.8 million Nick Schmaltz does in uh, Arizona. I'd rather give that money to Alex Dubrinkit if we're being completely honest. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Is is that something you think could happen this summer? Uh, I hope so. I I, I, I do too, yeah, man. I, like I, a four or five year extension for Alex Dubrinkit would be really good. Yeah, they've got to sort of nip this in the bud before he becomes the next Panarin, and as he's looking at like a you know eleven twelve million dollar deal. You're going to want to pay him now and figure it out. And they've got the space to do it. They've set themselves up nicely to be able to pay Alex Dubrinkit. Um, so, yeah, I, I need to see that done quickly before, uh, you know, before he gets way too expensive. Um, when is, speaking of that, when is Strom a free agent? Because he's going to be due some money, too. You see, why do you have to ask these questions like I should automatically know the answer? All right, man. he is restricted after next season. So that's good. The Hawks have some cost certainty with Strom going forward. Yeah, uh, which is hit, probably part of the reason they traded for Sure. Him. Cap hit. Uh, this year and next, uh, 863,333. Uh, Brennan Perlini, by the way, restricted free agent now. Um, safe to assume the Hawks will bring him back. But Oh, yeah, uh, we should we should probably talk about that a little bit. We should probably talk about the uh, couple of like unrestricted free agents and the uh, restricted free agents the Hawks have. Well, let's so I mentioned the two uh, restricted Perlini uh, and I did not mention David Camp. He's the other uh, one. Slater, Slater Cuckoo, also a restricted free agent. Yes, and Gustav Forsling is the yep. other. So two forwards, two defensemen are restricted. I would think all these guys can be brought back for pretty cheap. Yeah, I, but do you really need Slater Cuckoo and Gustav Forsling? Uh, no, I don't think you need either of them. Yeah, I think you're probably <laughs> right about that. I'm just, I'm still hesitant, though, with the deal Forsling. I'm not. He's 22. Who cares? He's only 22. Has he shown any progression? No, but no. he's only 22. He's had plenty of chance. No, I. you have plenty of other guys in this system right now that I'd rather give a look to than to keep pining away for what could happen with Gustav Forsling. You're not if he take... turns into something somewhere else, great, but you have a log jam. And one of the ways you get rid of that log jam is it. by tossing out the timber. You're... Bye, Gustav Forsling. Bye. You're not going to take a million-dollar flyer on a 22-year-old defenseman with that skill I'm already set. taking a million-point-two flyer on Eric Gustafson. And he was I already third signed Carl among defensemen to a two-year extension. Carl Dahlstrom's got a two-way deal. He can be sent down, and it costs you nothing. The point is, is that you can't just keep throwing a million here and a million there at guys when you have the situation the Blackhawks have. I don't know. You have to eventually make some choices. Pooper, get off the pot, bro. I'm afraid to get rid of Forsling for what, what could what could be less than a million dollars, a two-way deal that if he sucks, fine, you live with it for two or three years. And he and he stars in Rockford. 
on the on the chance that he turns into something really really good. And guess what? If he does turn into something really really good here, you could trade him or you could trade someone else and get something back for him. I just think that pulling the plug completely on Gustav Forsling would be a mistake. Maybe you trade they him. They clearly are not overly enamored with him. I know, but who knows? He's twenty two. He is the youngest Blackhawks defenseman on the roster. Yeah, but that's because they don't have Henry Yokoharu up. That's true. But, I mean, just in perspective, though, Dylan Secura is 23. Yeah, he sucks, too. <laughs> I don't think he sucks. You think he How sucks? How many goals does he have, Jay? He has zero goals. but he. How many games did he play? A lot, but he played decently You can in run games. into a freaking puck and put it in the net, and he didn't do it. You would think so. You would think so. You know so. what? I, this That, by the way, is complete hyperbole. I don't think that Dylan Secura sucks. I think that he had a lot of bad luck. It's just fun to make fun of it. Okay, there's two unrestricted free agents since we're doing this. There's technically three. Um, Oh, yeah, Cam Ward. He's gone. Thanks yeah, for he playing. will not be back. Uh, Chris Kunitz, gone. See ya. Gone. Thank you. Thanks for your service. Rest in peace. And uh, Marcus Kruger. Pay him, pay him like a million three. No. No, move on. All right, move I, on. I can accept that. Move on. I, I, I look in his prime. He was an excellent fourth line center. He's only twenty eight, Jay. You can't act like he's way past his prime. But doesn't David Camp give you the same thing, basically? Except, oh, I almost said something mean about David Camp's face. I shouldn't do that. What? Now you have to do it. You can't leave people <laughs> hanging like that. At least Marcus Kruger doesn't break his face. That's true. Well. But Marcus Kruger has the famous uh, record of getting obliterated at least once a game. Well, somebody <laughs> had to take that mantle after Nick Jalmerson left. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let's. We're getting out of hand now. Now we're getting silly slappy time. Um, for the record, I say uh, try Forsling one more time. And if he sucks, he sucks. And you just send him down and deal I with just, it. I just think he's one of those guys that you have a log jam, and I think you can afford to get rid of him without losing too okay. much sleep. And I say punt on uh, Marcus Kruger. I, I, I can, like I said, I can accept that unless you want to bring him back on like a super cheap deal and hope that he can kind of find his form on the penalty kill under a new system. Are you ready for the email of the show? I suppose we can handle that. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe. With locations in Burbank and Darien, visit chuckscafe.com. The barbecue, the Mexican, the uh, bar food, the American fare, if you will, the craft beer menu, the specials, everything at Chuck's is just phenomenal. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your uh, family and friends to go out there. You'll find something for everybody at Chuck's. Oh, you want uh, some Cochinita Pabil, you know, artisan pork shoulder tacos? Cool. Oh, you just want a burger? Cool. You'll be, oh, you want some jambalaya? Crawfish or no? Good. Everyone will find something at Chuck's they love. Go there, chuckscafe.com, Burbank, Darien, do it. Uh, I'm doing this as the email of the show because I know it will delight you because it is designed to piss me off. Are you ready for this? Yep. All right. This is from Justin. He says, hey, guys, came home from work and hopped on Twitter to see the Chicago baseball meltdown two weeks into the season. Then I noticed Scott Foster was trending. And to my surprise, he was at the Blackhawks Jets game because, of course, in light of the recent discussion of Amante, Daze, etc., my question is, when will it be Scott Foster last, sh- last shift night at the United Center? Five to ten year anniversary down the road, you know it's going to happen, Jay. Screw you, Justin. There, I said it. I said screw you to a listener. It finally happened. <laughs> You're like unsubscribe. Aside never from Ginge, email again. We tell Jin to screw himself all the time, and rightfully <laughs> so. But uh, yeah, does he even still listen to the show? Yeah, he does. Not as does religiously he as he used to, I don't think. That punk. You know who still does is Ponytail Dave. Well, Sorry, Adult Haircut Dave. Adult Haircut Dave is correct. Speaking of that, I'm doing the podcast in my kitchen, and uh, my back my backyard neighbors they have a little girl who is I think she's six, and her dad is throwing her pitches, and she's just smacking the crap out of the ball. So I think perhaps he, you should have him give uh, Addie some lessons. Uh, I have, no, I it's I think it's more her than him. He uh. he's just lobbing them in there, and she's I got to keep this in mind for seasons down the road. You got to draft a new player, I think. Little Hazel can rake. 
<laughs> All right. I'm daydreaming. Let's wrap this up. We're almost at exactly an hour. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We are going to be here throughout the summer, throughout the off season, throughout the spring. There's going to be a ton to talk about. I do think it's going to be a bit newsier of an off season than before, than last year, um, because you've got a new coach. You've got some cap space. Some things will be happening here. So there'll be some news. Remember, sign up to be in our playoff bracket challenge. The playoffs hap- start on Wednesday. Uh, April 10th, so you have to, have to, have to get in there before then. Go to NHL.com, search their bracket challenge, then look for the Madhouse Podcast private group. Join that group with password MADHOUSE2019 with a capital M, then enter your choices, and the winner will get fabulous prizes and gifts, uh, mostly a back rub from James. That'll be the number one prize. And mm-hmm. uh, just just keep it. We got a whole bunch coming up. We're going to do a whole summer's worth of player capsules james and i are going to get together uh record a whole bunch of podcasts on player reviews sort of long form reviews on players and we'll be publishing those throughout the year so there'll be a lot of stuff coming to you guys this summer so don't go anywhere we're not going anywhere we'll be here for you but we want to thank you uh always for listening to the madhouse chicago hockey podcast and thank our our sponsors for a great fourth season triple threat sports they've been with us since day one for all your team operating needs call chris 708-478-6090. 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill, also a year one sponsor. Want to thank them as well. Family owned and operated since 1933. Go visit our great friends, Joe and everybody at Marishka's. Chuck Southern Comforts Cafe, this is their second year as part of the podcast. We thank them. We love having them as a partner. Burbank, Darien, go to chuckscafe.com. And our two new sponsors this year, first and foremost, Rabbit Brewing, who has become an incredible partner for our podcast hosting events hosting fundraisers helping us spread the word about the podcast while we help spread the word about their beer it's been a great partnership so thank you to rabid the time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales visit the southland legend rabid brewing in homewood illinois and mark that date may 17th feast of the goat queen at rabid brewing it's going to be an awesome time and of course michael elwood our most recent sponsor our star real estate broker we thank him for sponsoring the three stars of the week and of the game Every week, we'll find something new for him to sponsor this summer because there will be no three stars for the most part. We could just make stuff up. We could do that. We'll we'll find we'll have an off the air meeting about how to handle the three stars. But thank you, thank you to Michael Elwood who's been at every one of our events at Rabid. He came out to our Wolves event, so he's been great too. So, Michael, thank you for joining on as well. Uh, Remax First Service. Give him a call 708-675-1600. You're looking for your dream house. Michael Elwood will help you find it with Remax First Service. With that. Thank you all sincerely for a great 2018-2019 uh, season. Thank you for your listenership. Our numbers have been higher than ever. The feedback's been better than ever. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Without you guys listening, there's no point to the podcast at all. So uh, thank you for all the kind words you send us via email, via Twitter, and just in private. We love hearing from you guys. So we greatly appreciate it. Stay in touch. MadhousePod at gmail.com, and we'll do our best to answer your questions uh, when we can. So, James, you want to add anything to our final moments of the last official podcast of the season uh i cannot believe that we're going to be like heading into the summer and then when october rolls around we're going to be starting season number five like it's such a mind-blowingly fast amount of time that's gone by since we started this thing and it's grown beyond anything i ever could have imagined and i want to thank all of our listeners and all of our sponsors for their support both financial and just listening to this thing and uh most of all i want to thank you jay for putting up with my nonsense all the time and for uh coming down from the heavens of uh radio stardom and plucking me from relative obscurity for this podcast (laughs) you're so full of crap it's ridiculous (laughs) oh but for real jay i do thank you for uh putting up with me and for uh doing this show i always have a lot of fun doing it. Uh, i'm not putting up with you you are a friend and i like spending time with you that's why i asked you to do the podcast with me jerk (laughs) ah Oh, Hazel just hit another one. All right, I got to go. I got to get my get my speed gun out and watch Hazel hit some balls. All right, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with you. Uh, we'll do a podcast next week. Why the hell not? But make sure, Bracket Challenge, NHL.com, sign in, search Madhouse Podcast, password Madhouse 2019, capital M. Join, play with us, win fabulous uh, gifts and prizes. Bye. We love you. Thanks for listening. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. 
Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.